This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the podcast that's all about the greatest football club in the land, Wickham Wanderers. I'm Michael Kenny, and I'm joined by Chairboy's mega fans Adam Cooper, Damien Farrar Hockley, Chris Spratt, Dara John, and from the Bucks Free Press, James Richings. On this week's show, we're looking back at a hard fought point earned against Charlton, previewing the upcoming Bucks Derby, as well as assessing Blooms' first five games in charge and asking the big, big question. Is promotion still realistic this season? Let's kick off with the weekend's action as the Blues travel to South East London for a showdown with Charlton Athletic, looking to get back into the win column following the previous weekend's setback against Barnsley. The Chairboys almost got off to a dream start inside two minutes as a JJ Cross found David Wheeler, who was just inches wide with his headed effort. The hosts screw into the game, however, and took the lead for a well-worked attack around the 15-minute mark. It felt like it was going to be one of those days, but the introduction of Nick Freeman on the hour mark saw momentum swing in our favour, with a good spell culminating in the red-hot Chris Farino powering home a deserved equaliser with less than 10 minutes remaining. Adam, you were at the Valley for the game. Was it a case of two points dropped, or should we be more optimistic about this result? I think like many, I think sort of when you're there in the heat of the moment, if you like, it's it's very easy to uh, to be a little bit more negative. Um, you know, I've had a few days to to look back in hindsight and actually think in hindsight it's it's a pretty good result. Um, you know, we're away from home. This time of year is so difficult as well. You've got um, you've got all of those clubs who are scrapping down the bottom. You've got the clubs who are scrapping down the top, and then you've got the clubs like Charlton who are safe they're not going to get in the playoffs but they've got players playing for contracts got some young loan players who probably either want to be in with their parent clubs next year or are going to be looking for another club so it's a real difficult one and they have been absolutely storming it since um, since Dean Olden came in mm. um, so I think in hindsight not a bad result the frustrations again and we've spoken previously about how wasteful we are in front of goal um, you know wheels had Probably could have had a hat-trick. Hanlon at the end could and should have scored. Tafazoli could have scored. Um, you know, we had a lot of opportunities. And 
we were very, very wasteful. I feel like we are going to have that game where they're just all going to go in. Mm. Um, you know, we're going to do somebody four or five at some point. Um, but I think when you look at who we have missing, yeah, we still got folks out. We still got McCleary out. We still got a beater out. Um, it was Taft's first uh, first start back. You know, we've got no Gate. We've got no Thompson. So Josh Gowan is playing in that position. And that position is a hard position to play in. Um you know, without a break. And I think legs are starting to tire a bit. <clears throat> like you said, sort of Nick Freeman came in and almost shot some life into us going forward, brought a bit of creativity. Um, so I, all, all in all, I think a relatively good point, um, but lots to work on, as Bloom's alluded to in his post-match interview. Um, and I think that a lot of that is going to be in front of goal. We've We've got to be better in front of goal. It felt to me a little bit like if you were making a trip to McDonald's and you want to go in, you want to get a Big Mac, but you've only really got enough money for a cheeseburger and it will do the job. It's okay, but it's not really what you want. And we probably just had about enough money to possibly get a Big Mac, but we've settled for the cheeseburger. So it was a point is all right. It still keeps us within touching distance of Derby and particularly with Derby losing you know, win, you know, it's not too bad, but you know, it's, it's one of those, it feels like, you know, if only we could have got the three points, I think you know, the game, like watching it, I felt the last 20, 30 minutes before Freeman came on, it started to slip away from us a little bit. It, it felt like it was going to be one of those games where we lose one nil. Um, so actually to be able to have that ability for him to come on um, to create the chances that he did and then to get the goal, I think was, like, was a huge positive, really, in the end. Totally agree with what the other guys have said. I mean, uh, I came away and I, I spoke to Adam on the way out and I said, we'd vote to win that game. It was just one of those games we needed a poacher up front. We needed a big man who... Would... Their two centre-backs were, I don't want to say awful, but they looked like anyone with a bit of presence and strength could cause them a lot of problems and they were not actually going to be able to handle it. Um, so... Yeah, we tried having Hanlon up in that role. And yes, he can hold the ball up, but he's not a Vokes. And with a Vokes, we'd have won that game. No, I agree. Um, we had many, many, many chances to um, to snatch a win, even when it looked very, very unlikely. I think, as we mentioned earlier about the injuries, having um, a severe impact, like you said, uh, Damien, if, if Sam Vokes is in that team, Wickham are going to be leaving the Valley with three points and potentially three or four goals because Charlton, they weren't great. You know, they weren't bad, but they weren't great. They were average, hence why they're banging the table. And I think one of the positives we do need to look at it is that that's the first time this season that Wickham have actually gained a point away from home after falling behind. And at this stage of the season, any point you get now is, is vital. This is where we start to see teams potentially fall out the playoffs, into relegation battles. We're now, I mean, come Saturday, we're now in April. There'll be a month left of the season. So a point away from a side that have had a very inconsistent season where it looked very unlikely, in my eyes, I thought it was a, a good point to take. Yes, we may argue that we had chances to try and win it, but when it looked like it wasn't going to happen with the injuries that we do have at the moment, it's a good point to take. I think the introdu- uh, the um, with Nick Freeman coming on, he was the game changer. And it's, it's really good to see him like that because there were rumours 
Um, last season we got his injury. That would be that. His Wiccan career was over, but he's really worked hard to get himself back into the frame. And I, I think, if I'm wrong, but I think I am right on this, he's actually played the most games for Wickham this season out of anyone else. I think that was his 43rd game of the season. Wow. Which goes to show you that he hasn't, well, he hasn't started many games, but he's important. He's constantly in the squad when when needed. And I think a quick word needs to be mentioned on TJ Debar. I think, yes, we he's now in the team. He's now chomping at the bit to get there. But I think, you know, some teams may be looking at, looking at him now thinking, right, OK, this kid's playing a lot. Let's see what we can do. But Freeman came on and he made the difference, which obviously led to Farino's equaliser. When the final whistle went, I felt a little deflated by the result. I felt like it was... I felt like we went into the game on high spirits. I mean, we, we lost against Barnsley, but the performance didn't merit that result. And I think we all went into the Charlton game feeling like it was there for the taking. And you know, we got off to a good start. You know, like you said, Damo, that they're two fullbacks. You know, they, they had no idea what to do with that that JJ cross that almost gave us the lead inside two minutes. We we looked lively for the first ten. Charlton grew into the game to their credit. They deserve to take the lead as well. And you know, for for their money, they, they deserve the point as well. Um, we obviously, you know, we we came back into it. The momentum swing, the introdu- introduction of Nick Freeman, great. You know. Big Chris with with the equaliser. We deserved the point. But I just looked at it and I was like, I felt like we should have gone into that game. We should have gotten something more out of it, particularly given the fact that you've got the sides above us. You know, they're dropping points left, right and centre at the moment. And, you know, it's really a good opportunity for us to to capitalise and really take something from it. Um, Obviously, I think what helped me reset a little bit was the fact that looking at some tweets, you're always going to get the the kind of the usual reactions when we fail to win. But I also took notice of some very good, well-structured tweets that really put me back in the mindset of just being quite realistic, remembering exactly what we're achieving given our resource, given, you know, our club status and our stature. You know, we are really... You know, I, I I know we want to try and get away from the little Wickham moniker, you know, and, and one day we will. We will put that well behind us one day. But we are still compared to the play compared to the teams that we're up against, compared to the teams that we're competing with for those playoff places, we are tiny compared to them. Um so those tweets over the weekend really kind of helped put me back into a, a place of perspective, I guess. Yeah, the one thing I'd say is, well, we have in the past three seasons achieved a lot. But in terms of the history of Wickham, that is the highest we've ever reached. And we now have a scenario where people are expecting that season in, season out, when that is not always necessarily a possibility. I think this season, I think we should be, and I would be happy with challenging again, given our resources. The reality really is. In League One, we've got something like the 17th, 18th largest average attendance week in, week out. So there's another 16, 17 clubs who are getting more fans week on week than what we are. And I know it isn't just about attendances, but that does make a difference to your budgets. I saw a tweet last week and it ranked all of the clubs, you know, down to National League South in terms of order of how many fans they get get in. And we come out as like a mid-league two-table club. So for us to be competing where we are, given those budget constraints, I think it's like just incredible, to be honest. No, I know. I, I echo those thoughts. I really do. I think um, the point's already been made there about how 
there is a level of expectation of because you look at 2018 at the year that we can get promoted into league one since then 2019 avoided relegation 2020 promotion 21 ch- championship year 2022 playoff final loss and you think to yourself <clears throat> there's going to be a time where there is going to be maybe a season or two consecutively where Wickham aren't going to be having those so I think people not I'm not saying don't aim for the sky I'm not saying that for, at all because obviously you want your team to be playing at the higher league possible but it's not always necessarily sustainable based on what you've got at the moment simply because as we mentioned about the injuries the budgets Wickham have the budget Wickham has got is incomparable to some of the other teams so for Wickham to be three points off the playoffs at this stage of the season it's it's, it's very very good let's talk about TJ withdrawing essentially from the Gibraltar national side and and putting club before country it is something that I think happens probably more than we think it does. But playing for your national side is a, is a huge honour. And for TJ to say, no, actually, I really am on, I'm on a hot streak. I'm really uh, on the precipice of, of nailing down a first team place with my club. What do we think about TJ's commitment and, and what does that mean to you? I actually think that, um, well, on Saturday, I'll, I'll say this first, that it's, I didn't, wanted him to come off when he came off. Um, I thought bringing on Freeman for him was the, was not the greatest decision, but obviously I was proving wrong. Freeman played really well. His commitment to the club is, you know, I have to say second to none. He's, he's turned down international football for it. I know Gibraltar aren't the greatest football power in the world, but you can't fault the fact that he's got in the team, he's seen an opportunity and he's decided to take it. And for that, I hats off to him, and also a lot of the Gibraltans that I saw on their Twitter page and things like that were actually backing him because also there's, there seems to be some sort of dispute with their manager. I'm not fully on um, in the know on that, but it if he's going to get league, yeah, regular professional football, and he said the other day he's starting to feel like a footballer, and I think I think that's the reason he's decided to stay. And yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, me too. Um, I think I love TJ. Um, I just love his enthusiasm. I love his rawness. I love the fact that he wants to get his head down and run. I think you do have to look at it, or you can look at it in another way. He's got to win a contract with Wickham because ultimately, if he goes away on international duty, misses a couple of games, loses his place, um, he might not get another shot at professional football. And as far as he's concerned... You know, he needs to be a, prof- a regular professional footballer before he plays international football. So I think he's probably made the right decision. I think when you look at who they were playing as well, he probably thought in his mind, me being there is going to have very little res- uh, very little resemblance on the result. Um, so I think all things considered, he's probably sat down and thought, it's more important that I knuckle down, <clears throat> miss these ones work his backside off for a contract and there's going to be plenty more opportunities to get in that team. Exactly that. Exactly that. When we spoke to him last week, you can tell he was, you could tell he was quite down about not being up with the, with the national side. And but at the same time, as you mentioned, he said, I've, I finally got my chance and I've got to take it. And you, and you can't begrudge him for that because yes, for anyone, if you're called up to your country, it's, it's, it's the, best honour you could potentially have in your footballing career but when you're playing week in week out for for your for your club 
that has to sometimes take precedent. And he obviously has played. He's got 30 caps at Gibraltar. He scored a handful of goals. He's always going to play for Gibraltar again. But as you say there, Adam, his, if Brandon Hamden scores a hat-trick on, on Saturday and, and he's not inside, Bloomfield could change it up and that could be the end of his chance. So he did the right thing in, in our eyes. Yes, unfortunately for him, got he got um, hooked off after an hour, even though he did try. So, um, so yeah, he did the right thing. And um, hopefully, hopefully we'll see more of him uh, this weekend. Huge statement from TJ to pledge his allegiance to the club. And, and we are entering a, a really, I mean, it's the home stretch, right? So to see a player come out with that gesture uh, means a lot to us. So well done, TJ, and uh, and well done to the boys uh, for the point at the weekend. Um, we will be breaking down the Battle of the Bucks very shortly. But for now, it's been over a month since the biggest shakeup the club has experienced in over a decade. In that time, Mr. Wickham, now known as Mr. Gaffer, Matt Bloomfield, he's overseen seven games with two wins, two draws and three losses, giving him, on paper anyway, a mixed start to life in the hot seat. Now, on this podcast, we try and be as clear and as level-headed as possible. Seven games, let's face it, it's no time at all, especially at this club where we're coming off an unusually long managerial reign. But, as we all know, football is a ruthless, results-driven sport. Uh, Dara, what's your assessment of Blooms's first month? What has he changed in your mind for the better? And what do you think he needs to address as we race towards the end of the season? I'll be perfectly honest. I think his first tenure here, his first call of matches here, are going to be defined by things that are outside of his control, ultimately. His tenure in these first couple of matches has been good so far. We've seen more of a passing style. We've seen him willing to take more possession of the ball. We've seen Ainsworth sort of started that this season, but Bloomfield has very much adopted that. But before he joined, we lost our top goal scorer to Bristol City, obviously Anish Mamey. We lost our best centre-back, Alvin Morrison. We've lost Gareth McCleary to injury for the next couple of weeks. We've lost Sam Vokes to injuries, Jordan Obita to injuries. Thompson and Gape are still gone. As a brand new manager, that's a very, very difficult thing to overcome in your first seven games, is it? Mm. And we're not playing easy teams. We went to Barnsley and I'd, I'd say we didn't even compete. I think we showed them up and we should have and could have came off with a win there. One thing I think somebody mentioned earlier is we need to sit down and look at our attackers and we need to sit down and start getting them scoring. We have had a lot of chances recently. I think we've had more chances on average than we did under Ainsworth, but we're not converting them. And that is obviously something that I hope Bloomfield looks at. And I think as well that it's going to be an extraordinary lag. Like, you talk of a manager of a couple of seasons building a team around him. We've had a manager for 10 years build a team around him directly and no manager regardless of their stature and regardless of their integration or Wickham will be able to come in and off the bat start running yeah absolutely I think I think you've got to look at what Gaz done prior to Matty coming in um, and we're not only talking about the style of play but we're talking about the attitude the type of player that he brings in um, Gaz never recruited on talent alone. It was always talent, but they've got to be the right guy for the dressing room. Um, and I think that's why Blooms was such a shrewd appointment, because he will keep that culture. Um, I think if you spoke to him, I think 
Matt himself will probably be a little bit disappointed at how we've started. Um, he'll be happy with the chances that we've created, but I think he'll be di- disappointed that we haven't finished them. Um, I think in some ways, in my mind, when we lost Mometi, we lost Mawson, Ainsworth went, in my mind, I sort of ruled us out of the playoffs anyway. Um, but in my mind, the injuries may actually be a good thing because it's really going to show in those players on the fringe who are out of contract. It's, they're going to show them, have they got the kahunas to do what they need to do at this level? If they haven't, he can get rid of them. They can bring his own people in. If they have, we can tie him down to a contract. Um, I think he himself will be slightly disappointed, like I say. But I think all in all, when you look at where we've come from, the turmoil that we've had over the last sort of six or eight weeks, I think you've got to be quite level-headed about it and say, look, let's write this season off. If we get into the playoffs, then absolutely brilliant. But if we don't, it's not a disaster. Let's go again next year and see what uh, see what 23-24's got to bring. Matt Bloomfield was absolutely the right manager for us to get him. I felt he was when we when he came in after Gareth, and I think he is now, and I still believe that he will be going forward into the future. The decisions, like the opinions we make, fundamentally, are based on what we see for two hours every week. You know, if there's a Tuesday night game, four hours. Um, the bits we don't see are all the time spent at the training ground. You know, we don't see all of the issues that I'm sure happen at the ground in the same way they happen at every other workplace. So things we'll never hear about is what players' kids are poorly or what player has been up in the night because the child won't sleep or who's got a dodgy washing machine, all those kind of things. And they might sound quite trivial, but these are all issues that Matt Bloomfield's having to deal with and probably having to deal with for the first time. We've replaced a manager who was there for 10 years, who had got loads of experience. And if we were to compare it, you know, to a player, in effect, he was at the peak of his powers. He's played, you know, 500 games or so that he'd managed. So he's kind of equivalent as a player, like, to like a 28, 29-year-old who's played four or five years, had loads of promotions. And what we've done is replaced him, quite rightly, um, with somebody who might, you know, equivalent player times, 18, 19-year-olds, may have had a handful of games. And I think what that means is there's going to be times that Matt Liffle's going to make mistakes. There's going to be things that he does that aren't going to go the way that we'd want him to. And, you know, he's in a division where there's a lot of managers who are also new to the job as well. But we're also coming up against managers who, for example, when we played Bristol Rovers, Joey Barton's managed 250 games or so. So that's 250 games where he can have tried things, learned things, you know, and just recognise what works. So it's going to take time. But in the long term, you know, I do genuinely believe he is a manager who can get us back into the championship. The most important thing, uh, Matt Bloomfield needs uh, needs his time in this current climate where we see managers get getting sacked after six, seven weeks after a run of three defeats on the bounce or whatever. It, it, it's it's paramount that Bloomfield gets time. And I think he was going to be, in, in, initially, in my opinion anyway, he was the perfect appointment to uh, replace Gareth Ainsworth. Yes, you could have gone for a name that knows the league quite well. I know the Cowleys were were tipped. I remember seeing Michael Appleton's name being mentioned as well. But if you wanted someone to, not I wouldn't say see out the season, but if you needed someone to steady the ship and know the DNA of the club and know what everything know everything about Wickham Wanderers, Matt Bloomfield was the right 
uh, man for it. And he open, openly admitted that when that week started, he was preparing for, I think it was an away trip for uh, at Northampton with Colchester. He had no clue he was going to be the Wickham Wanderers manager in um, in about 40 hours time. And so he so he needs that time. He needs that time to really get his foot under uh, feet under the table from the managerial sense, because this is still really new to him as well. Not just at Wickham being manager, but as a manager as a whole, he had a re- he had a relatively um, successful period at, at Colchester. He was manager of the month uh, just before he left. And, you, you know, people always say, oh, manager of the month doesn't really mean anything. But if he's unbeaten in his next um, five games, Wickham are in the playoffs pretty much. So I think... I think it's looking okay for him at the moment. Damo, given the fact that Blooms is at about, it's about a 28% win percentage ratio, we, we don't really want to look at the win percentage after seven games. But, you know, as I said, football is brutal. We've, we've given managers time in the past. We're going to do so again here. But given the recent results, you know, I think we're a pretty patient lot. But what is your, I mean, we heard from Adam, Adam, has kind of obviously playoffs would be great, but there's also there's that realism that you know if we don't hit playoffs, if we don't make playoffs, it's not going to be the end of the world. So, Damo, what what is your thought? What is, what is your kind of hope for the for the end of the season? Do you think playoffs is still realistic? I think because we have to rely on a number of other people losing for us to get into the playoffs, we could win all our games and still not get in the playoffs. Um, I think that. I, I don't think they're realistic at the moment. Uh, it almost might not be might not be a bad thing. We may lose a couple of players who want to play championship football, but um, and if we can get into playoffs, great. Uh, I'd love to be proved wrong. Um, I still think that Blooms is he's probably still trying to get rid of the one of the lads' tag. You know, the gaffer. Um, I remember Gaz saying that years and years ago when he started, he had to become gaffer rather than one of the lads i think i think that's showing in the performances so far i think when bloom gets his team in so he'll sign people on contracts he wants to sign and get some signings in i think we may start to see a different side of him and then obviously um be on the up if we don't make the playoffs this season i don't think it'd be that bad a thing at the end of the day i remember going to burton last season rather hungover and we <laughs> needed plymouth to lose and we need to win. And I remember thinking, oh, we don't have a chance here. And we got into the playoffs. So I think that if we keep putting pressure on the guys above us, if we keep putting pressure on Peterborough, on Bolton, on Derby, we can get something out at the end of this year. Even if it is just, well, we did as well as we could in the last couple of games, we can continue this in the next season. It's really important that now we do step up our performances. Even if we don't get promotion, we can then go, well, on the Bloomfield, we did step up towards that end of the season. Why can't we continue this good one in the form at the start of next season and put ourselves in a good place for promotion again? No, I agree. I, I, I 100% agree. And I think um, it's worth noting that last season, after that incredible day at Burton, which I think we all uh, will all cherish for years to come, we finished the season with 86 points. And I know it's a tall order, but if we can win every single game now to the end of the season, we'll finish on 85. One point less than what we got last season, considering that managerial change we've had hardly any of our players uh fit throughout the entire season best center back retires uh best player leaves 
So it's been a real, real roller coaster of a season. But that's how you've got to look at it. You've got to try and be positive. We can win all their remaining uh, matches, 24 points available. We'd be one point uh, behind from what we got last season, which is an incredible achievement in itself. We can get to the playoffs. I don't think we will. But to be perfectly honest, I think at the beginning of the season, I didn't think we would anyway. That isn't being negative. I think that's trying to be quite realistic. Like I said, I do believe we can get back to the championship one day. But I think the way in which we're going to get there will be different to the way in which, say, a Derby or an Ipswich or even, say, a Portsmouth are going to get there as well. We're going to need to almost have a three, four-year project and a cycle um, and replace players. And if we don't go up this year, there are players within that squad inevitably who are going to move on. And it's going to be a case then of using some of the younger products we've got, some of the younger products we're going to find, hopefully, and look to build a squad again then. But actually, I think even if we don't achieve it this year, there's a lot to be really optimistic about and a lot to be pleased with how we've dealt with the season. Well, as you said, James, it's been a roller coaster season and the roller coaster continues this weekend as we turn our attention to a must win game for more than one reason as we take on our local rivals, MK Dons. Enduring a nightmare season in comparison to their unsuccessful playoff exploits last year, MK sit in 19th just four points above the drop zone. Mark Jackson's men do have form on their side, however, having won their last three, keeping a trio of clean sheets in the progress. Uh, Demo, emotions are always high when it <laughs> when it comes to this lot, um, but MK have tightened up at the back in recent weeks. What do we need to do to break down that defence to secure the points and those local bragging rights? Apply pressure. I think they've been... Yes, they've, they've tightened up statistically, but if you look at who they've played, they've played um, Cambridge, Accrington Stanley and Morecambe. They're not exactly well-beaters. Last time they played someone half-decent, they played Port Vale and they lost. Uh, that was only on the 4th of March. I just don't think... I think it's a bit of a false dawn on their defence. I think if we just apply pressure, it will break them down. Um, and obviously it will be... We'd all enjoy it immensely because of who they are and <laughs> our thoughts on them. But, um, yeah, I, I genuinely think that if we just keep... If we play like we did against Charlton, we'll win. I'm going to say that now. Um, I don't think they're like people running at them, TJ running at them, Brandon running at them. I just think we've got enough in the, in the arsenal to break them down and stop that defence being, well tighter than it has been but as I say they weren't against well beaters yeah I'd agree Damien I was having a having a nose at their recent form earlier they love a 1-0 by the way don't they five, <laughs> four of their last five games have finished 1-0 uh, three of them in their favour one of them against them as you said which was against Port Vale um, they have they have tightened up a bit but then you look at as Damien says who they've been playing against they're all teams who who haven't had their shooting boots on this season. Um, with a bit of like Anthony Stewart will be fit and, uh, and we should have a chance. I say that with my tongue firmly <laughs> and my cheek. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing his long diagonals once again. Uh, aimless hoofs 
diagonally across the pitch to uh, to a striker who's twenty yards the other the other side of the pitch. But in all seriousness, um, these are the kind of games that if we are going to give ourselves any chance of nicking that last playoff game, uh, that last playoff place, we have got to go out and lay a marker down. I don't want to see us going and nicking a goal and winning one nil. Sides like this, we have to put to the sword. That's not being disrespectful to MK Dons. I'm not saying that because of who they are. Um, we have not taken our chances over the last three or four games. We've all alluded to that already. The goal difference is starting to stack up against us. If we have any any chance of getting into that playoff position, we've got to win and we've got to win well. Ultimately, though, for me, this game has grudge match for MK Dons written all over it. We beat them in the playoffs last year, and now they've plummeted down the table. They've got two of our ex-players, Anthony Stewart and Solly Kai Kai. I think Kai Kai especially will have a bit of a bone to pick, considering he didn't get much chances at all here at Wickham. Obviously, I hope we win, and I think we have the quality to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if if MK Dons come into it and they absolutely try and smash us. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a 2 or 3-0 win to them, to be perfectly honest, Jim. This is the sort of game, though. I think this is the sort of game where we need the leaders to step up. To, in my opinion, there's always at least maybe three or four games in a campaign where you don't want to lose to an opponent simply based on who they are. That could be any team in any league in any um, in any country. And we all know the history of MK. We all know the history about where they came from and whereabouts they are in the county. We know everything about that. And these are the sort of games where we need the likes of Joe Jacobson. We need the likes of even Blooms herself as the manager. We need the likes of Jason McCarthy and Jack Grimmer to really rile up the players and say, we are the team in Buckinghamshire. We've been here since day dot. They're not. We're better than them and we can prove we're better than them. We were talking about it earlier about how um, there's going to be a day before the season's up, we're going to smash a team 4-5-0. This could be that day. And I know it's easy saying that, looking at where MK are on the table compared to Wickham, but these are the sort of games where you really need to step up. And I think the best example to look at it is, is last season, and not just with the playoffs. Wickham and MK faced each other five times last season. Five times. MK won four of those matches. But the one game they lost was the game that ultimately prevented them from going to Wembley. That that's how you look at it. And the Wick, the, the Wickham fans are going to be up for this, and and rightly so because we all know why. But this is where we need to rally. But not we we need to rally the players up. I mean, I can't from the press box because I'll get kicked out. But uh, <laughs> but. We need the fans in the terrace. We need the fans in the pre-Sonus and the Frank Adams and the Family Centre literally get behind every single second that goes by because you cannot be losing to a side like MK at this stage of the season where there is so much on, where there's so much at stake. Yes, MK will be going in with the same mindset because they don't want to go back into League uh, League Two before Wickham. Yes, the playoffs is a bit of an outside, there's an outside chance, but if you beat them, then there's a real chance. If we can win and results go their way, I think they're level on points to get into the playoffs, barring goal difference. We're only three points off. That's it. Literally three points. And Saturday is going to be a fantastic occasion. It really is, because the fans are going to be up for it. And last season, when we beat them 2-0 at Adams Park, genuinely, that was the best experience I've ever had at Adams Park reporting on a match. Genuinely, it was absolutely unreal. 
the weather, the fans, the result. It was just perfect. So let's hope we can replicate that this week. I'm really, really worried about Saturday. I think I still have memories of that home game last January, which was just awful. And I know the playoffs afterwards were brilliant, but I'm just terrified something like that's going to happen again. And it's almost written, and maybe this is the pessimist in me, and I hope that pessimist isn't there on Saturday. Um, but Anthony Stewart coming back, Sully Kai Kai playing brilliantly. I hope I'm completely wrong, but I am worried. I'm speaking to an MK fan I know. They're really pleased with their recent performances. They say they're slightly better. Defence, they feel, is looking stronger. They're really positive by the way in which Kai Kai is playing as well. And they're confident that Stuart's going to be back. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but I am nervous about it. And it is a game that, if we are to get them in playoffs, it is a must-win. Just on Sully Kai Kai, if I'm completely honest, I thought he was terrible when he was with us. Um, and it, it's one thing looking like a good player when you're going into a to a relegation scrap, but something quite different going away from home to a team who who everybody sees as as somebody who's chasing the playoffs. I think as Wickham fans, we're we're naturally pessimistic. Um, and the thirty years that I've supported the club, I've been been like that very much. But I could honestly say that. Kai Kai doesn't worry me in the slightest. I've got visions of Anthony Stewart coming out for a corner and scoring a header in the 96th minute, which will, uh, <laughs> which could well dampen the mood. Uh, just looking at their team from last week, so I can't see that Kai Kai actually was even on the bench last week. So I don't know if he's got a knock. I don't know if he's uh, if he's been suspended. Can't see anything online. He was on international but, um, duty. He was on, yeah, he was on international. yeah. So it, you know, hopefully he comes back from international duty tired. And um, and he shows us the type of form that he showed for us because, to be honest with you, he was absolutely terrible when he played for us. I think he was a confidence player. That's what it was. Gareth Ainsworth used to say he was the best finisher in training, but there was a reason why he wasn't playing, and um, and that's because his confidence was was shot. We don't we don't know why that was, but there were times I think there was in that period where Wickham went eight without a win after ironically going top last season. Um, he scored a couple of goals in that time. We thought, oh, wow, this player looks good. But then after that, he just sort of he just sort of disappeared. And it continued into this season. Yes, he did have an injury going into uh, the start of the campaign. But even when he did come back, the thing that really stood out for me with Kai Kai was the game against Walsall back in November in the FA Cup. He started that game. And I remember thinking, right, OK, this is the perfect opportunity for Kai Kai now to really show what he can do. And he just it was non-existent. Honestly, non-existent. And... Fair to say Wickham went out. We lost 2-0. It was probably the worst experience I've seen Wickham this season at home. It was genuinely appalling. And um, he even openly admitted himself the move just didn't work out. And we we will probably never know the reasons why. Um, But yeah, he was on international duty last week. So he um, he didn't play. And, And stuff like that can really, really ruin the momentum. Yeah, he's done okay since leaving. But, you know, going to Africa, playing for your country, then coming back, that that's a lot of um lot of traveling there's a lot of football being played so this could uh, ruin the momentum for him and for mk i'm actually going to be quite um shocking here i actually think kai kai was nearly as good as tj tj debar is currently mm. and in 17 matches for us in the 21 22 season he got two goals and six assists 
TJ Debar currently is on one goal and three assists, is it? Kai Kai very clearly was a confidence player and he needed a run of form. But he never got that chance to have a clear run. He came off the bench. In those 17 matches he played, when he got those two goals and six assists, he started eight of them. On the left wing, his natural wing, he faced Anathemeti, who I'm not going to say he should have started off Anathemeti, but you see the problem there. He was actually a quite good player for us. And I'd never truly understood the sort of hatred towards him because he did play quite well for quite a good few games. He has he was a very good squad player for us. And I understand that he needed that run of form, but I think writing him off as a failure or something is actually not what happened at the club. I think he did quite well. Do we really want I'm don't answer this straight away, but do we really want MK to go down? Because like the MK match and the Oxford matches are probably the two who I would say I certainly look forward to most each year. And if we don't go up, you know, it's going to be a bit disappointing, actually. Don't get me wrong. I don't want them to do well. I don't want them to ever have a bus parade, ever have win a trophy. But I'd rather play them than play somebody else which actually doesn't mean as much, as much as I don't like them as a club. See, there's a difference for me. Like, I dislike, say, Petersburg, and I enjoy a rivalry with Colchester, but I at my core, despise Milton Keynes as a football club. So I genuinely wish them to go bust. <laughs> Honestly, I really hate them. You've literally just taken the words out of my mouth, DJ. Um, they are the only football club out of the 92 who I could not give a monkeys if they went bust. I would much rather be going to Carlisle, Crewe, <laughs> Plymouth, Torquay, Wrexham, Anywhere other than Milton Keynes on a Saturday or a Tuesday night, I couldn't give a monkeys. They are the absolute f- filth of football. They're a war on fo- on the football league, um, and they just highlight how corrupt the administrators of our game are. It is everything that makes me sick about Premier League football. It's all about money. It's all about business it's not about the pure passion that one club side have for their team and when you have so much money that you feel you can trample all over somebody else's love move it 100 miles up the road and claim to be legitimate when everybody else has to come up the football league pyramid which is what the english game is all about i find it quite disgusting um and Absolutely. If they went bust, there's one part of me that would feel any sympathy for them whatsoever. Um, it, uh, I, I can't be any harsher than that. I, I don't even like having a conversation. I absolutely despise them. Good luck following that one up, Damo. Well, I'm going to come out and say this. You may want to edit it out, but they shouldn't exist. Simple as that. They, they took... I've got... A number of friends who support Wimbledon and they support the old Wimbledon and now support AFC Wimbledon and just the heartbreak they felt when their club was ripped away from them. Um, and they're also a pathetic fan base. You look at the last season in the playoffs, every team who played their home games filled their stadiums throughout the divisions for their home games. There was 13,000 there in, in, in that stadium 
in a city this side of size of MK. And they gave us a paltry amount because of uh, Winkleman's uh, sporting advantage theory. But I just, I just, uh, everything about them's well, I'm going to go out and say everything about them is wrong. I think it's fair to say and safe to say that there's a lot of feeling towards MK. But come Saturday, we've got a job to do. Milton Keynes, uh, I imagine, are going to come, uh, like like DJ said, I think they're going to come all guns blazing. They're trying to stay up and they're in a dogfight at the moment. You know, there might be a few points clear, but they're looking over their shoulder. With that in mind and focusing on the game, what are our realistic score predictions for Saturday? Adam, kick us off, mate. I'd like to see us take our chances and right some of the wrongs from the couple of, from the last couple of weeks. I've got an inkling that that might not happen. I think we'll win, but I think it'll be really tight. Um, I'm going to say 1-0. I'm hoping that, uh, that it's a good performance because I've been uh, banging on over the last four or five weeks at work to the boys about how good we are. And two of the lads are coming on Saturday, so I really hope we don't revert to the uh, to the long ball hoofing when uh, when Darren and Ed are sat enjoying their corporate hospitality in the Dreams box. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm hoping that it's entertaining. I'm hoping that it's a win. My head tells me a scruffy one 0 win. I'll go, and I genuinely think we're going to be too good for them. I'm going to say three one. I was thinking the same. I'm, I, I can see this going two ways. I'm, I'm a very positive person. I try and be as positive as I can. I can see, I, I can see it being a three-one. I, I, I do. And if we score three goals, it'll be the most that we've ever scored under Bloomfield in one game. But I can also see MK just doing a smash and grab. But I'm remaining positive. I'm remaining positive. I'm going to go three-one to the chair boys. I'm going to go optimistic and a one-nil win. I'm going to say 2-1 to Wickham, but it's going to be an absolute shit. It's, it's going to be an absolute battle there. I don't see it being comfortable. I don't see it being easy. I don't see it being actually particularly nice to watch. I think it's going to degenerate into a bit of a battle, but I think we have the quality to edge it. Battle of the Bucks, and uh, that's that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a battle. Um, I think it's. Uh, I'm going to go over one nil. I, I just. I think it's going to be a little scrappy one, and uh, uh, taking courage from the the playoff first leg last season. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be a, an echo of, of that performance. So uh, we will see what happens come Saturday. But uh, I think given the conversation, it's going to be a tasty one. And that will do it for this week's episode. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HB12 podcast. If you've liked what you heard, consider subscribing on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HB12, Adam at APCWW, UFC, Damo at Damo1507, Chris at JG's Long Fro, Dara at Wickham DJ, and James at James underscore BFP. We'll be back next week for another glorious episode, hopefully with three points over MK. Until then, stay well and come on, you blues.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff. Shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods. All at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.